chapter 1, verses, uh, we'll look at verses 3 through 7 again, but we will also look at some other passages in 2 Timothy. So if you would uh, keep your Bibles open and we'll walk through these together. So calling all mothers, and of course, as, as all these types of messages go, you know that um, generally speaking, uh, what the Bible calls us to as mothers, it also calls us to as fathers. So there is application for all of us. There application, there's application here for us as children. There's application here for us as parents. So I don't want you to, um, you know, kind of enter into this uh, time together and, and think, well, I'm, I'm not a mother, or so this, is, this message is not for me. As always, the Holy Spirit is always working through God's Word. He's always making hundreds of applications that I, I could never know or even think of. And so let's, uh, let's stay spiritually in tune today as we look to God's Word and trust Him to do a wonderful work in our lives. Let, let's pause for a minute, a minute as we do and ask for God to help us. Father in heaven, there, there's uh, most of the things that we need, uh, well, all of the things that we need in life come from your gracious hand. And most of those things, Father, uh, we only have as you give them. The most important things, as such things as grace and mercy, such things as granting faith and granting repentance, things such as opening our eyes and transplanting our hearts, raising us to new life. creating in us a, a new heart, giving us the desire and the, and the love for Christ that motivates us and moves us to treasure him above all things and, and to surrender all things to your will and your glory and to live this life with, with everything you've given us for your namesake and the gospels, to find true life and peace and happiness and joy that is only to be found in Christ. And so really when we, when we come together like this and we open up the, the, the true, alive, eternal word of God and, and we ask that your Holy Spirit might be present and working and your will might be accomplished, we, we are asking for miracles we, we are asking for divine encounters and divine intervention in our hearts to remove scales, to remove blinders, to remove darkness, to remove coldness and hardness, and to replace those things with fresh, vibrant, loving, active, God-honoring, Christ-loving faith. There's not a single person, Lord, in this room that doesn't need that level and that type of miraculous work in our hearts. As believers, we continually need it. As unbelievers, we desperately need it. And so, Father, we just ask as, 
as we look to your word today, that you would do the great and wonderful things that only you can do, and we would give you praise and glory for it all. Lord, there's, there's need of encouragement today. There's need of conviction today. There's need of humility today. There's need of love today. There's need of salvation today, deliverance today, help, support, a, fresh, a, a freshness and a renewal and, and a revival. There's all kinds of needs Every single one of them you are keenly aware and every single one of them you are able to meet. So every single one of them we lift to you. And we ask, Father, for you to do a wonderful work in our hearts in your church for the glory of Christ and it's in his name we pray. Amen. So Mother's Day celebrates motherhood. God in his wise and good Design has given mothers a special place in our lives and therefore in the world. There's no other place in all of humanity quite as special and unique and influential as the place that we hold in our hearts for caring, loving, faithful mothers. And there's no greater task... There is no greater task in the entire world that requires more energy, more patience, more endurance, more love and service than the labor of love that being a mom involves. It is a gift to be a mother and it is a gift to have a loving, faithful mother. So we do well today. We do well to remember all of the precious moms who have, who are now with the Lord and to honor the precious moms that are still with us today. All of the men here today, all of us men here today, we would confess and and say that we love our mothers. Amen. But I have heard one complaint from our men throughout the years. I'll share with you. Men, don't say amen to this one. <laughs> and it goes something like this. You know, on Father's Day, the preacher really gets after us guys. I mean, he tells us how bad we're doing, what we should be doing, what we have not been doing. And on Mother's Day, he just talks about how good the mothers are doing, how wonderful they are. And uh, he tells us how much we need to improve and how well they are doing. That's what the ladies say, amen. <laughs> amen. See there, I knew, I knew I'd get some amens today. If the shoe fits, wear it. Right, ladies? That's how it should be. Well, the main emphasis of my sermon, I'm probably not going to make anyone happy today, but the, the main emphasis of my sermon is, is really not to do, not to do either, um, that either group would want, but my, as you can, as you can tell by the uh, title today, Calling All Mothers, my prayer is that our study through these passages in Second Timothy, which have to do with Timothy, who is a young pastor in a very challenging age. He is 
He is pastoring uh, the church in Ephesus, which is a, a, a new church in basically a pagan world. And his spiritual mentor is the Apostle Paul. And when Paul's writing 2 Timothy, Paul is just a few days probably away from being martyred for the faith. And Paul realizes this is probably the last things he's going to say. And he says it to his spiritual son. And so today's emphasis is to to call all mothers to, to rise to the challenge of biblical motherhood in our day. And the reason being is, is given our, our current uh, cultural climate. Wrong is celebrated, right is chastised, evil is excused, good is scorned, deception is accepted, truth is scandalized. And so the calling to be a mother, especially a mother of God, a godly mother, is as great as it has ever been as difficult as it has ever been, as challenging. Raising children in an increasingly post-Christian society leaves no room for a casual, comfortable, Western version of Christianity. We as parents must be vigilant in our faith and thoroughly, thoroughly biblical in our view of life and salvation and parenting. And so the sermon today is calling all mothers. I, I, I pray you'll, you'll be encouraged along the way, but also there's some challenge for all of us. So first of all, I want us to see the most important legacy to leave. The most important legacy to leave. And we see that in the verses that Ben read for us in chapter 1 just a few moments ago. When Paul speaks of... Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother. You might say these, these verses were maybe, maybe a, a Mother's Day message for, for Timothy. And Paul writes that the, the kind of faith that he has observed in Timothy throughout the years, that he had also observed that kind of faith in his grandmother, Lois, and then in his mother, Eunice, and then finally in Timothy as well. And so the faith had, so to speak, been passed down from generation to generation. But that's kind of a a coined phrase, isn't it? Because we really can't pass down our faith from generation to generation I can't, I can't give my children my faith. I can't pass it to them in that sense. My, my parents could not be saved for me. They, they couldn't pass down the faith to me in that sense. Only Jesus can save our children. But evidently there's something about the way we live our faith that paves the way, that that opens the door for the work of God in the lives of our children, that makes their hearts more accessible, more lenient, more pliable to the work of the Spirit. And evidently Lois and Eunice This was what they were doing because their faith was replicated for two generations. Imagine that, two two generations, grandmother, mother, and here, son. 
Well, what would that be? Well, I think we get an indication here when, when Paul says in verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Sincere faith. And he talks about that, that that sincere faith that he sees in Timothy, he first saw in Lois, and he then saw in Eunice. And now, he says, I am sure it dwells in you. So there's, there's something that stands out about this sincere faith, that it's, it's easy to recognize. It's, you're, it's observable. It's something that can be confirmed affirmed in our lives. I was thinking about that a lot this week, and, and I would simply say to us as, as moms and dads that th- this sincere faith, that, that sincerity of the faith, a, a genuine, authentic faith, well, what would that look like? I, think, I, I believe it would look something like this, that, that we, we can live out the faith before our children in a winsome, compelling way. That our faith in Christ, our treasuring Jesus, genuinely, sincerely treasuring Jesus would be then a very winsome and compelling argument for the faith. So that we would live in such a way that that our children recognize that Jesus is our greatest treasure. That they could, in our conversations, they, they could hear Jesus coming through our conversations. They could hear our, our hearts desiring to, following, to follow Jesus coming through the, the, not only the what we say, but how we say it. How we talk about others, how we talk to our spouse, how we talk to our children. That they would see Jesus living in us by how we relate to others, by how we interact with others. That it looks more like Jesus than the world or like self or like selfishness. The way we interact with those who love us, the way we interact with those who mistreat us. So we can, we can, parents, at least live. We, we can treasure Christ with all of our hearts and in treasuring Christ with all of our hearts. He, he shines through as the greatest treasure in the universe. And that makes the faith very compelling. Which is what Peter means when he says, be ready to give people an answer for the hope that lies within you. That, that, that would apply to our children, right? Be ready to tell our children when they become, when they see this sincere faith alive and they ask about that hope that is within you, be ready to tell them about it. Be ready for an answer. It can easily seem to our children at times that actually our greatest treasure is our income or our greatest treasure is the accomplishments of our children, that our children become our greatest treasure. And that is detrimental. Parents, moms, that is detrimental to our children when they become our idols, when they become greater to us than Christ. That doesn't make them great. It makes, it makes 
faith in Christ a very difficult journey and find for them if they are on the pedestal instead of Christ. It makes a huge difference. So the first thing we can do as, as, as moms, especially, is, is, is communicating to our children through our lives Christ and faith in him. Showing our children that, that faith is more than just the occasional, occasional church attendance or involvement and that it basically faith in Christ is just kind of, you know, keeping your reputation intact. Or is treasuring Christ such that it's every aspect and corner of our lives. Everything revolves around Christ. He is supreme. He is treasure. He is glory. He is savior. He is our hope, our peace. He, he's everything. It especially comes down when we, face, when we face difficulties in life. It's so incumbent upon us, first of all, in our own hearts to be, to be seeking Christ in this way that we can show our children when we face those harsh difficulties in life that the first thing we turn to is Christ. That that's, that's the default. Christ, prayer, wise counsel, Scripture. That we're turning to Jesus. That we're trusting God's promises. We are trusting God's character. We are planting our lives in the truths of God's word. That his grace is actually sufficient. That's not just a, that's not just a nice little scripture verse. That's actually true. His grace is sufficient. That we are careful not to be displaying a, 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 kind, a, a kind of mixture of, of faith and, and everything else in the world. That, that when we face these problems, we don't hide from them. We don't run from them. We don't excuse them. We don't push people away. We don't try to medicate our problems away. We don't try to retaliate rather than forgive we don't blame God for the storm. We cling to him in the storm. He's the only way out of the storm. He's the only way through the storm. You see, when Jesus is strength, here's the call to mothers, fathers, grandparents. When Jesus' strength is enough for the hard times, and he's still our joy in the good times. That's when faith is real, sincere. And that is exactly what this generation and every generation that's come before is looking for. Something that's real. Something that lasts. Something that makes a difference, that impacts When Jesus is our treasure, we show our children a sincere faith that is winsome and compelling, that is different, that's otherworldly. I don't know, I don't know about you. I don't know what you're thinking right now. We're just 
into point one, but I'd almost like to stop right now and just go to the altar and pray. Notice Paul described this faith as a sincere faith, not a phony faith, not a shallow faith, not a false faith, but a sincere faith. So what is a sincere faith? It's at least, right, a faith that can be seen. That's what James means, isn't, isn't it? In James 2 when he says, you know, faith apart from any works that demonstrate that faith, that evidence that faith is dead. It, it's not really faith. So a sincere faith is at least one that can be seen. Secondly, a sincere faith is one that has been tested. It's been tested and it's been proven true. Because you keep believing through the trial and after the trial. And actually on the other end of the trial, the faith is more vibrant than ever before. That's why in Romans 5, Paul says, we believe that our sufferings, And he goes through these lists of things, but ultimately our sufferings produce hope. Our sufferings, our hard times, our trials, our hardships turn us to Christ, turn us to the faith, plant us deeply in the truth of God's word, and therefore our hope increases. And that makes faith winsome. That through it all, we don't lose hope. We don't lose faith. A sincere faith is the only faith that truly saves. I want to give you an example of this. I thought about my own mother through this, of course. Have you ever gone on a trip? Now, I know you have. Have you ever gone on a trip, and then when you get back home from the trip, your friend or family member or someone asks you, hey, how, how did it go? We, we were asking Q-Tip in my office just a few minutes earlier, hey, how, how did it go? And he was describing to us, as you would, he was describing to us the trip and the things there and the things you see. That, that's what you do, right? You, you, you can describe how the trip was, where you went, because you've been there, because you saw it, because you experienced it. Well, when I was really young in the faith, I came to the Lord when I was 15 years old, freshman in high school. I I wrestled with a lot of things really young in the faith. By the way, I still wrestle with a lot of things now in the faith, older in the faith. But one one of the things I really wrestled with is forever, eternity, heaven. When I would think about those things as a very early young Christian it would, it would just about make me fearful. It would make me fearful. Just to think about living forever and going to heaven and not being here. And my, and, and my mother, knowing now that I was truly in the faith, it, at times she would, we would just you know, be talking or be going somewhere or something would happen, and, and she would talk about heaven. And she was so certain about the things she was saying. And she was so descriptive about the things that she was saying. And she was looking forward to so many things about the things she was saying. It was as if, I remember thinking, it was as if she had been there and had come back and was telling me about it. It was that real. It was that sincere. I remember thinking to myself... I want to believe like that. 
I, I know that it's true because it's in God's word. I want to be able to believe it like that. Like it's so real, she's almost already seen it. That impacted my life as a young believer. And it caused me to desire to, to seek the Lord in such a way that when I read things in his word, I grab it so tightly that I make it my own. So the most important legacy to leave is that sincere faith. We've got we've to keep moving here. Let's go to the second one, the most important lesson to teach. And for that, I want, I want you to turn in 2 Timothy to chapter 3. The most important lesson to teach, and I want to read verses 14 and 15. But by the way, just to let you know, verses 16 and 17 are some of the most important verses in the scripture about the scripture. But making his way to that point, Paul says in verses 14 and 15, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So Paul urges Timothy to continue in what he has learned. And you can tell Paul writing to Timothy, Timothy has had a history of teachers, of spiritual leaders in his life. Paul would be among those. There would be others in the church, other leaders, other people around Timothy, other believers that, that would be impacting and guiding and leading his life. But he mentions childhood, doesn't he? So he's He's still thinking about Lois and Eunice. He's still thinking, look, how, how from childhood, remember what you have learned, knowing from whom you learned it. Those ladies, those women, that, that grandmother and mother in your life who had that sincere faith. This is who you learned this from. How from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. What, what are the sacred writings, the holy writings? It's the scriptures. It's the Old Testament scrolls. They would, they would all be in separate scrolls, right, with, for Timothy. It'd be hard to carry around a Bible in that day, right? 66 scrolls it, by the time the New Testament was finished. In other words, since Timothy was, since Timothy was old enough to understand language... Lois and Eunice were teaching him scriptural truth from childhood. So before Paul was Timothy's spiritual father, he had a mother and a grandmother who, Paul says, acquainted him with the scriptures. You've been acquainted with the sacred writings. So they must have, right? I mean, you can imagine. What does that mean? Well, they, they must have read the Scripture to Timothy. They, they must have told Timothy about those great Bible stories of God's greatness and His glory and His grace 
and his rich promises and and of deliverance and and salvation to come through his son. They they must have taught him what, what those books were, what those scrolls were, and who wrote those books, and where those key verses of Scripture roll out the scroll to this point, and here's this rich promise from God. They must have invested into Timothy a great deal of scriptural truth. So I would say, calling all moms to this, devotion to Scripture is the most important lesson we can teach our children. And how do we teach that? We teach that by example. We devote ourselves to Scripture. We do that by application. We apply specific verses to specific situations in our lives. When we encounter things, when our children encounter things, we say, you know, God instructs us, God encourages, God promises us in his word, and we apply scripture. It's not enough. Now, in this day and in this climate, parents, listen to me, it's not enough to tell our children, well, the Bible says... We need to be able to show them where the Bible says that and then teach them why the Bible says that. Because that the Bible says that, that's what's being challenged. That's what's being distorted. Why does the Bible address this issue in this way? How is it for God's glory and for our good? Because, parents, it always is. So that means we, right? We have to be devoted to Scripture. Showing them the verses that speak of God's grace and love and power and promises. Teaching them. This is so important, parents. Listen to this. I know I'm I'm going on and on and challenging and challenging and challenging may be overwhelming, but listen to this. Here, here's, here's something of vital importance for our children when we're teaching them how specific verses of Scripture apply to their specific situation. We have, we have to convey to them that if they are in Jesus Christ, every single truth and every single promise applies directly to them. It's theirs in Christ. That's what the Bible says, by the way. So why is devotion to Scripture the most important lesson we can teach? Well, Paul writes, doesn't he? Paul tells us, You have been acquainted with the, script, with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. You see, when we are devoted to the most important lesson, we encounter the most important truth, salvation. Salvation is the absolute most important truth. Our need of salvation, the coming of the Savior, salvation in Christ Jesus our Lord, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with the Father, hope of everlasting life, transformation, cleansing of this life, brand new in Christ, So that means our our children's education, the number of friends they have, the extracurricular activities they're involved in, what their degrees say, what their future jobs may be, what their life skills are, the amount of income that they will have. All of those things, I'm not saying they're not important. They are important. I'm just saying they pale in comparison 
They absolutely pale in comparison. I want the very, I have three children. I want the very best for them that that they can find in this life by God's grace and mercy. But far more than that, I want Jesus for them. I want salvation for them. And I'm not perfect. I'm not setting myself up as an example. My mom's the example. I'm not. But notice, notice that the most important lesson of devotion to Scripture brought Timothy to the most important truth of salvation. How? By introducing him to the most important person, the Lord Jesus Christ. How from childhood, verse 15, how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation. How do you get to salvation? Here it is, here it is. Through faith in Christ Jesus, he is everything. He is everything. And when we devote ourselves to scripture, we find salvation by finding Christ. And having sons and daughters in love with Jesus is our first and foremost priority and calling. And it's got to be the Jesus of Scripture. It's got to be this Jesus, not the American Jesus, not the comfortable Jesus. It's got to be this Jesus to be the Jesus of salvation and hope and life. If you remember, I, I challenged our dads a few weeks back by quoting Vody Balcom and where he said, you know, dads, if, if, we, if I teach my son to keep his eye on the ball and don't teach him to keep his eye on Christ, I fail as a father. So I would say to our moms today, I, I know we, we want to teach our young girls how to be ladies we got several, several groups in this, in this area that, that are formed to do that. But first and foremost, we must teach them how to be women of God who love Jesus with all of their heart. First and foremost. The most important lesson to teach And that brings us to the most important time is now. The most important time is now. Look with me in chapter 4. Whatever the age of your children, now, now is the time to begin. So you may be... You may be listening to this sermon today and thinking, wow, I've blown it so much that I might as well give up. No, that's, that's not the point. The, the point is to encourage a start today, begin today, no matter where you are, no matter how old your children are. Start today. Treasure Christ with all of your heart. Now is the time to begin impart, imparting the most important legacy and lesson. It's more urgent than ever before. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 Listen to Paul's words of, of warning for Timothy. For the, t- for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Sound teaching means teaching the scripture. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound 
teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. I would just say to you today, that time that Paul warned Timothy is coming has now arrived. Everywhere, I, 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 I try, I know, I'm, I know I'm ancient, I know I'm a dinosaur in a lot of ways, but I try to keep my ear in tune to the culture and to what's happening And everywhere our children are in this life, in this world, they are constantly exposed to the world's view of everything. Life, salvation, God, sexuality, marriage. Every form of media, every form of entertainment, the culture of the the university the classroom of the university now the high school even middle school actors influencers commercials their peers the ocean that our children swim in today is a world where people only want to hear what they want to hear And what they want to hear is approval and applause for what they want to do. That's the ocean. That's the world. That's that's the constant stream of thought. For someone to grow up in this world and still love Jesus, and that be so evident in their life, that someone can say their faith is sincere. It has to begin in the home. And it has to be alive in the church. It has to be alive in the church. I've always heard and I've all and I've seen it to be true in others. I've experienced it in my own life. I've always heard there's no greater power in prayer than a praying mother. If you study church history, throughout the history of the church, 2,000 years of history of the church, and even in biblical history, when you see great men of God and great women of God, you study their biography close enough and you find a praying mom. Almost without exception. Moms, we need your prayers now more than ever. And I wonder today if there would be some moms and dads in among us today that would look to each other and say, you know what? <laughs> let's put all this other stuff back in its place where it belongs and let's make Jesus the treasure of our heart and the treasure of our home. Now is the time. Calling all mothers. We love you and we need you. Let's pray. You have been listening to the sermon ministry of Will Owens, pastor of Grassy Pond Baptist Church, Gaffley, South Carolina. Be sure to visit willowens.com to hear more sermons 
read blogs, and learn more about the missions branch, P67 Missions. Again, thank you for listening to Will Owens.